0: You are listening to a bonus episode of Death Pod, the officially unofficial Death Leopard podcast. We're currently busy preparing for season six of Death Pod, so in the meantime, we'll be diving into 2022's Step Outside, Walk This Way YouTube series. It's a rough and ready A to Z walkthrough of 45 Death Leopard deep cuts that we heartily recommend. Now, the YouTube videos have gone, so we've stripped out the audio and in each of these bonus episodes we'll take a look at a few deep cuts. What you're about to listen to is raw and broadly unedited. It's the ramblings of a literally rambling man chatting about these songs in the fields and on the coast of North West England because, why not? If you're new to the podcast and this is the first episode that you've listened to, and you want to listen to a proper episode of Death Left Pod something a bit more slick, polished and something that was intended for audio only, then check out any episode from our back catalogue that doesn't have the word bonus in the episode title in this episode we'll be covering the b's and starting on the c's with battle of my own bringing on the heartbreak live and coming under fire so let's take a step outside Deaf Leopard mates, and welcome to day four, song four of Step Outside, Walk This Way, the series in which we look at 45 deep cuts from Deaf Leopard on a daily basis. These are songs which have either you've missed completely or you only listened to once or twice, and now you're going to give them a second chance based on my recommendation. What is today's song? Well, Can anyone tell me what you think this is behind me? Let's have a little walk around Just hopefully we don't step on like a syringe or something like that It's quite spooky Right, can you all see that? Okay Right, this is actually a second world war pillbox or bunker that was made in 1940-1941 And it was there because we're about one mile inland from the coast And if the Germans had invaded Britain then would have been something that occurred here what would have occurred a battle what is today's song a battle of my own by death leopard off the death leopard self-titled album 2015 who would ever have thought that we would actually find places that were to do with the song that we were actually talking about well we have fantastic if you actually go in there which you can't because there's a fence over there you can actually see where they uh, put the guns to fire out over the fields everything um, over there but less of world war two battles that didn't actually occur and on to death leopards battle of my own okay battle of my own was written by Rick Savage and it was written by Joe Elliott. so like the song we did yesterday it's an Elledge uh, an Elledge a Savage Elliot composition also like song two that we did on day two where we did all-time high this is another song of the Deaf leopard self-titled album from 2015 so we're four songs in and already 50 percent of the songs that we've done are off the 2015 album i make no excuses for this Def leopard friends that's because it is a fantastic album and i think the reality is that if we're looking for deep cuts if we're looking for songs that maybe you haven't heard or songs that have passed you by a little bit or songs that you're going to give a second chance to then the a lot of them aren't going to be on High and Dry, a lot of them aren't going to be on Pyromania, Hysteria, Adrenalise And as you get later into Def Leppard's career, there is a real return to form So I make no apologies about there being another song off that self-titled album To be honest, there's 14 songs on that, you strip away the singles, which we can't use And you would find anyway that um, there are at least 6 or 7 songs that I could put in this list of 45 I won't do as many as six or seven now i'll try and spread it evenly across but i'm just trying to uh, show you how good that album is okay so battle of my own it's off that album that we just mentioned oh by the way look there's a nice little if you don't like let me move there there you go if you don't like looking at the bunker you can look at a nice little uh, bridge it is quite creepy around here by the way you know the cut the british countryside always a little bit spooky so just we'll have our wits about us um right this song then Joe Elliott described it as a cross between Crosby stills and Nash and Led Zeppelin now I agree with Joe to a point my second dad Joe is never ever wrong okay but I would actually say that this song is a little bit more like Led Zeppelin meets Led Zeppelin in the sense that it sounds a lot in parts like Led Zeppelin 3 in terms, of it's got that acoustic flavour to it, and then there's a little, there's a bit later on, which we'll talk about, where it gets heavier, where it sounds more like physical graffiti, Led Zeppelin, so, you know, cashmere, the strings, all of that type of thing. Now, the 2015 album and songs of the Sparkle Lounge are interesting albums in terms of this is when the band actually stopped caring to an extent, whether when they write a the song, whether it does sound like a bit like Led Zeppelin or it does sound a bit like Queen and you know they're just writing for the sake of writing and they're writing what they want and if their influence has come across in it then you know they're not bothered it is what it is this is what we like this is the song that we've written and it's good it's an admirable thing to do and there'll definitely be at least two more songs <coughs> in this series where um, you'll very much listen to them and go oh that doesn't half sound like whoever it sounds like battle of my own no it doesn't sound ridiculously like Led zeppelin where it's not like Greta Van Fleet's first album where you're thinking, you know, if you're gonna sound that much like Led Zeppelin sort of what's the point in you know not being a covers band? So it's nothing like that at all. Ooh, it's gone dark, the sun's gone in. It's almost as if the environment knows exactly what I'm about to talk about next. What am I about to talk about next? I'm about to talk about the lyrics. We know Death Leopard are not a heavy metal band. Death Leopard don't want to be a heavy metal band. Heavy metal fans don't want Death Leopard to be a heavy metal band. There's a general shirking of heavy metal when it comes to Death Leopard, and that's fine. But what's really interesting is that, in terms of tone, in terms of subject matter, this is lyrically quite a heavy metal song because it is about the undead. It's almost about vampires. If you look at the lyrics, it goes on about. Um, Finding your soul by being reborn again. It goes on about full moons, uh, full moon morning. It goes on about devils dawning, about being between the um, the dust and the bones. It's all very supernatural. It's all very undead, and that is obviously where the title of the song comes from, "Battle of My Own." Because for those of you who are watching, who are undead and you are, you know, half dead, half alive, that's mentally very taxing. Some would say that you're having an internal battle of your own so that's where the title comes from um, as well so lyrically it is a bit heavy metal but not in an explicit way it's not like saying you know dave the vampire bit mary's neck it's a little bit more ambiguous than that going on about dust and bones and being undead and souls and being reborn and things like that that looks like the type of place where your soul might be reborn and where undead people might live sure you'll agree musically though and this is the key thing if i wanted to get one message across about this song is that musically this is like an epic song contained within a perfect package of two minutes and 42 seconds this is a short short song it is below three minutes in length long however it has all of the flavors an epic song you've got an acoustic part you've got a psychedelic part you've got a part where strings come in you've got a part where it gets really heavy and it builds and builds and builds and it's got all of these cool parts to it but what's really cool about it is it does it within a super lean super efficient two minutes and 42 seconds of song so how does it start okay well it starts with an acoustic guitar the acoustic guitar part was before i forget lyrics were started by rick savage and completed by joe elliott going to the music the guitar part at the beginning that was actually written by rick savage so therefore i would imagine it's him playing it in the song now what's interesting in terms of being acoustic is normally acoustic death leopard songs are very much you know strumming chords but this song's different and so this what makes it sound like Led Zeppelin um, and Led Zeppelin 3, Gallows pole uh, for example is that rather than it being strumming chords it's like a it's like an acoustic riff or an acoustic part you know it's not just brum, brum, brum. it's a you know it does an actual there's an actual riff and an actual rhythm to it so you've got that then you've got this like tabla drums which give it a very, again, Zeppelin-free sort of flavour to it and these tabloid drums are like really, really relentless and they give it almost like a sort of trancey sort of vibe it all sounds a little bit, you know like Wicker Man where they're like listening to folk music and it's all a bit pagan and that type of thing and you just got, you can imagine people going mad to this rhythm but it's got like that rhythm behind and that's good because that carries on with this sort of general folky theme that I know Joe's talked about and it's quite a British sound certainly in the verse you then go into the bridge and the bridge is going on about um, forever is only uh, a kiss away and all of this and that's a really psychedelic and the effect on there I think if if it was a guitar effect it's called a phaser where it makes you go like like that if anyone's walking past now i look absolutely crazy don't i but anyway there's like a phaser sort of effect on it but it's on the vocals makes it sound a little bit wishy-washy and a bit psychedelic then you've got the chorus the chorus is great the chorus is a very good exercise and the fact that you don't have to write lots and lots of lyrics because joe sings uh a battle of my own then he says battle of my own again but then he just puts the stress on my so goes battle of my own battle of my own and it just works really well you don't need to write loads of extra lyrics just repeat the same thing and change the stress on what you're saying so that's really cool as well then there's a really heavy bit comes in and that's where it sounds very cashmere led zeppelin just basically because it's got the string section in it and when we hear that type of string section with rock music it's just impossible not to think cashmere now i don't know if it's a real string section or it's a string section you know, that you can play on keyboards it sounds like a real string section to me but if anyone knows let me know in the comments i'd be interested to know whether it is keyboard strings or actual real uh, strings so that bit's really cool as well and then when you go into the chorus at the end um there's a there's like a Double track vocal Or a backing vocal Which is really really high And then elevates it Elevates it And then it comes to A lovely end 2 minutes and 42 seconds You've been taken All over the place Loads of different parts And It's absolutely Fantastic The link to that song Is below Honestly Go and listen to it I guarantee You will like it If you don't like it the first time, Listen to it again It's really really good Link to the podcast Is below As well I'm going to leave you now If you're wondering why I'm by a bunker in the woods Wearing a shirt, I'm actually on my way back home from work I thought I'd jump out here and uh, show you this while talking But I am absolutely starving So I'm going to go home for my tea I'm hoping it's on the table It better be, I'm only joking Uh, I reckon I'm going to have oven chips, fish fingers and beans The orangest tea that you've ever seen Right, I'll see you tomorrow for song number 5 And all of you are gonna say that's not a deep cut whatsoever. However, I'll meet you in the pub in the car park afterwards for the fight and we will prove that it is. See you tomorrow for song number five. Darkness falling, midnight calling. It's a full-moon warning. The devil's dawning. I gotta get myself back home. Amongst the dust and bones I got a heart that's slashed and torn I need a soul to be reborn Forever Forever. is only Kiss away Just go and mates and welcome to step outside walk this way series from Def Leopard, the officially unofficial Def leopard podcast we are here today on song five day five in the rain but we don't care we don't care at all what is today's song outside of the norm what is today's deep cut well it is bringing on the heartbreak wait there bringing on the heartbreak that's not a deep cut that's Def Leppard's first hit single what are you what are you doing Def Leppard to us we came here for for nuanced alternative subversive song choices are you giving us bringers on the heartbreak i'm not just giving you any bringing on the heartbreak though i am giving you bringing on the heartbreak live in 1989 no not in 1989 in 1988 february 1988 in the mcnichols sports arena In Denver Colorado in the United States of America right why does this song fit our criteria why are we allowing ourselves to have this so you may or may not remember on the introductory video that now and again we would do live versions but we wouldn't just do live versions for the sake of doing live versions it'd be where they did something significantly different to alter the song from you know the single that you know or the well-known version okay this version does that it is significantly different from the single version that was released in 1981 it's also significantly different to the version that was released in 1984 as well when um, it was reproduced on the back of the success of the pyromania album and released as a single again so first thing before we got to some death lap and stuff just found out a couple of interesting things so i think they're interested. Uh, it's this rain is coming down quite heavy now i'm not asked i'm just straight on um mcnichols sports arena it's also where if you've ever seen the u2 uh, movie rattle and hum and there's concert footage in there that was also filmed in the um mcnichols sports arena as well and also the very first band to play there and the very last band to play there before it was demolished in 2000 was the very same band do you know who it was i'll give you the clue big beards legs fancy cars yeah ZZ top the first and last band to play there anyway okay so if you're the death leopard fan you'll know this version from the in the round in your face video 1989 okay now i've actually had a podcast on the in the round in your face video so technically again this falls outside of the criteria that we said that we'd use which was to not talk about anything that we've covered covered in the proper podcast this not being the proper podcast this just being a man in a field getting very wet Uh, what am i doing who knows right okay but this is the audio version and the audio version it was officially released not just outside outside of the video in 2017 as part of the super deluxe version of hysteria which is a box set it's got loads of stuff with it so the audio was released for the first time um so, it is actually a proper track that you can listen to. So, I'm counting it as different to the video. So, we can definitely have it. By the way, if you want to pick up that box set, you can pick it up for about 70 quid, I think, these days. If you want to go and do that right then. So, bringing on a heartbreak. You'll remember came out in 1981 off high and dry. The actual original video has got a live flavor as well because it was... Filmed in the Royal Court in Liverpool, which is about 10 minutes that way, and that was the sort of the live footage was from there. Now I did plan on actually going down to the royal court and filming this video outside there because I thought you might be interested to actually see what the outside of that building looks like. Where you might have seen a 1981 video, but could I be asked? No, I couldn't. So instead I drove to a field. Uh, oh, by the way there's a reason why i'm coming to a bit with all of those like yellow flowers i don't know if they are flowers or not but in bringing in a heartbreak it goes gypsy sitting, looking pretty broken rose with laughing eyes okay they're not roses and they're not broken and they haven't got laughing eyes however they do actually they are flowers of some sort so there's a very very vague link there to the song I have not been able to find any gypsies sitting pretty, looking pretty, though. Uh, but, you know what? Uh, maybe there's ten of them over there. Who knows? Okay. Bringing on the heartbreak. Who was that written by Def Leppard? It's a very good question. It was written by Steve Clark, Joe Elliott, and Pete Willis. For those of you who don't know, Steve Clark and Pete Willis were the original guitarists in Def Leppard. This is the first song that we've covered so far in the step outside walk this way in the bloody rain series um that's featured those two uh, members of the band in the song writing credits so it was written um, written by them lyrically i mean it's obvious what this song is about you're bringing on the heartbreak does that gypsy sitting looking pretty at the start in a broken rose with laughing eyes um always running wild she is um and she is breaking our narrative voices heart you know it's a it's a simple subject matter for a rock power ballad um nothing exceptional there what is really interesting though i think about this is that these lyrics are a little bit like one of those paintings where if you get too close to it, it it doesn't look that good anymore um and I think the thing, I mean, if you look at that line, the um, the broken rose with laughing eyes, the more you think about that, and I've thought about it, because I'm a bit sad like that, it makes less and less sense, but it doesn't matter because in a song it just sounds cool, phonetically it sounds good, and it's just good imagery, it's just like there's an image, there's an image, there's an image, and it just sounds good, so it doesn't really matter if it makes any sense or not, um, I don't think anyway another just one other good thing it, i do like about the lyrics there's a line in this where it says uh, you're you're a secret misty eyed and shady lady how you hold the key i've always really liked that line because what you'd expect normally in a song is that the rhyme ends at the the rhyme appears at the end of each line so at the end of one sentence you've got one word at the end of the next sentence or whatever it then rhymes but i like the way this sneaks in, this sudden rhyme, with the um, misty-eyed and shady lady how you hold the key And you just got this sort of surprise rhyme comes in And I think sort of fanatically it just makes the lyrics roll And it just makes the song roll as well So, really good Looking at this specific version of the song now, in a live version, okay It starts, and this is why we're doing it, okay It's got, half of the song is very very different you actually take the original version, that's about 4 minutes long This live version is about 6 minutes long Though admittedly there is a bit of talking in it as well Where Joe introduces Steve Clark and Phil Collin And he introduces uh, Phil Collin as Phil Flubbing Co Collin And Steve Clark with his very nearly, very nearly legendary Gibson 18 string Razor And the first part of this song up until the solo which we'll get to in a minute is done as a free piece and it begins with an introduction that's completely different to what is on high and dry and what is on the record and you've got steve playing like the sort of the chords and some jingly jangly stuff on his um, 18 string electric guitar razor and then you've got phil playing a not an overly not overly flamenco style but a sort of acoustic flamenco style guitar it's really nice and it's really cool and at that point the audience have no idea what it is and then there's a cool bit where Phil makes the guitar go like that and the crowd get all excited and then Phil and Steve they turn to each other they get the timing right, and then it kicks into the guitar part that you know in uh, from the song. And you hear the crowd, and the crowd go wild. They're like, "Ah, oh, bring it on the heartbreak. This is one of my favourite leopard songs. Oh, I was hoping he'd play this. And get all excited. And Joe comes in, and Joe starts singing it. Right, there's two things I want to say about Joe's voice. There's one thing now, and there's one thing a little bit later on in the song okay there's a good chance i'm going to forget to talk about the second bit if i do forget to talk about the second bit can you remind me okay but the first bit is by virtue of the fact that this is done as a free piece in the verse part or in the, the first chorus you can really hear joe's voice and you can hear the voice of a man He's got much better at singing than from the early days, but at the same time, it's got the wear and tear of having been on the road for like six months at this point, you know, playing four or five nights um, a week. And it sounds like, and I genuinely mean it in a good way, it sounds like he's been like smoking 40 ciggies a day. You can hear that his voice is a little bit battered but it doesn't take away from it at all. It just adds to the absolute charm because he's like no perfect. He's singing it dead well, but there's this, this like real like, roughness to his voice. And it's just, it's, it makes it sound significantly different, I think, to the original version. And in the song in which you're sort of talking about heartbreak and all of this type of thing, then it's quite good to hear that like you know like that emotion and that roughness and that tiredness almost um in the voice and it works really 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 well so they play it all it's their good on the video version they stop and they bask in the glory of all of the denvo denvo the denver coloradians but what, what are you called in denver Colorado? are you called coloradians i reckon you are if you're not you are now and all the coloradians when it just stops for a minute and they're all like oh that's amazing and Phil and Steve and Joe they're made up and they're like chuffed and Joe's doing he's doing all that type of thing and everything and it's that good right in the audio version then they obviously cut that out because if you can't see what's happening then you know it doesn't it doesn't work as well so they actually cut that bit out they go into the verse they go into the chorus they go into the verse they go into the chorus okay and then it stops and there's a little bit of like a five so a second gap okay and then at that point it comes in the whole band fully electric and um, it start it comes in with joe um, screaming no like that and then the solo comes in and i'm trying to think of a word to describe it uh, but It's genuinely exhilarating when it comes in. It's just a bang like that. Dead heavy. Well not heavy heavy, but you know it just comes in. It's quite overwhelming. And do you know what works really well in it? Obviously the original version is um, recorded when on acoustic drum set and um, when Rick before Rick's had his accident. In this version though, he's obviously he's now on his electric drum kit and everything. And it doesn't half suit the song because the way it like actually comes in at that point, the drumming's really good. Listen to the drumming on it; it's like it's just he's just he's just going for it, and like the actual sound of the electric drums and just being like blasts really work well um, on the song. What was the other thing? Oh yeah, the second Joe thing. I knew I'd nearly forget it. Right, okay. The, this is the last bit. Then we're done. I'm gonna get. Gonna, then I'm gonna go and find. Gypsy's sitting looking pretty somewhere Um Yeah, Joe So the, the sort of relatively famous story About this song Is that when Joe was trying to record it In 1981 I think this is You can hear how that was like Really stretchy vocals Especially like the chorus part And everything There's a jeep there Is this jeep going to come down here? No, he's like He's turned the other way Okay, that's good Right Um yeah, there's a famous story that like he had difficulty singing this part mutt lang the producer producer with the longest name in the world robbie john mutt steve kevin dave michael robert lang uh, <laughs> right um yeah he's pushing joe to sing sing this song and he can't do it at all this and then joe Oh, he's not happy and he goes out and then in the studio next door is david coverdale from uh, white snake and david coverdale puts his arm around him maybe physically maybe metaphorically but he has a little chat with him he goes he'll be all right joe and david coverdale's got that funny thing hasn't he when he calls him bloody joe <laughs> um, and all that and anyway the next day full of confidence joe goes back in and he nails it and that's what you hear on that version how is that relevant to this version well, this is obviously six seven years later it's live it's not in the studio and oh my god does joe nail this vocal live and it really shows how he comes on that last bit of the song where he's doing like the chorus again and it's so high and it's there and i mean the difference we've not we didn't see what happens in the studio in 1981 but there's joe in 1988 live nailing this chorus it's so good man It's so, so good. So anyway, the link to that song is below. Go and check it out. A lot of you will know it. I know a lot of you will know it, okay? But go and listen to it again and just enjoy how bloody good it is. If you haven't heard it, go and listen to it. Let me know what you think in the comments. There's the podcast as well. The link to that will be below. So that's song number five. Song number six, Tomorrow. Oh, yeah. It's a good one begins with a C so we're onto the C's now and uh, yeah I'll see you tomorrow rain's gone off yeah nice alright see you tomorrow everyone bye Hello, death leopard mates and welcome to song six day six of the step outside walk this way series from Def Leppod the officially unofficial death leopard podcast this is not the actual podcast itself however this is the series in which we look at songs that are outside of the hits are outside of the norm and songs that might have passed you by today's song for the die-hard death leopard fans you will absolutely know this song okay this is the song where if you were ever gonna do a poll of the most underrated death leopard song this would definitely feature if not number one number two but probably number one it's so underrated and it's so flagged as a song that is underrated that it's probably actually not underrated at all it is very very much rated and a song is coming under fire now i'm going to level with you Def leopard mates in terms of i strongly doubt my ability To articulate the quality of this song well enough in this video with you today however the good news is I've been watching on the Def Leppard vault on the official site there's a track by track uh, videos that the band do for the Pyromania album that was released a while ago and the good news is is that when they get to "Coming under fire seemingly the band can't really articulate anything about this song at all you know, when you're driving and you can, you've can, got your blind spots where you can't see through your wing mirrors or your rear view mirror, it seems to me that coming under fire when it comes to the band and when it comes to my ability to talk about it, it's just, just a bit of a blind spot. And I'll just give you like a few examples. Yesterday, oh, yesterday, that's today, that's yesterday. But yesterday on Twitter, there was this Twitter listening party that's done by. Uh, Tim Burgess used to be in the Oh no he's still in the Charlatans isn't he Very good band by the way Love the Charlatans um, And it was a thing to do on Twitter Where you all listened to an album at the same time And then The Def Leppard uh, official Twitter account Was tweeting a few things about each song And it was coming from Phil and the first thing that Phil said when this song um, actually appeared was they, He doesn't think they've ever played it live before But if anyone thinks they have, let them know And when you look at those videos as well, the on the vaults that I was talking about to track by track It's exactly the same again It's like, they're all like, we don't think we've it, played it before But we're not absolutely certain So this is like a little bit of an enigmatic song And then when they go on to about why it hasn't been played live um on that on that video where they're talking about it there's very much the main thing that they say is that they think it might be they don't know for certain because it's a little bit complex the weird thing is when you listen to it it doesn't sound complex because it's actually quite a sparse song musically or that's what it sounds like originally i will come to that in a minute because i think that sparseness and that complexity are actually um related so yeah, and in that video I feel like Phil talks about it for, you know, he's talking about it for a minute And trust me, as somebody who regularly talks a lot but says nothing Oh, I love Phil so much, he's like my third dad, Joe's my second dad, Phil's me third dad But he really says nothing about the song in the minute that he's talking about it Then Rick Allen's just saying, God, I think this would be really hard to learn how to play again And it'd take me some time So, yeah, this song is an enigmatic song we all know it's good, but why is it good? There's a blind spot to this. And in a way, that is actually... Symbolised, should I say, in terms of... There's an interesting little fact about this uh, about this song. Is that on the first pressing of the Pyromania record, on Mercury, the song Coming Under Fire and the song that follows it, actually not words, are actually in the wrong order on the label. So you can't actually... Um, yeah, so they're, they're, in, they're in the wrong order. So even even a record doesn't really know how to place it correctly. And I do wonder if, you know, there's that famous story about the Japanese soldier who during the Second World War, he was hiding in a jungle somewhere. And then the Second World War ended. And then years, years later, he came out of the jungle and he thought the Second World War was still on. And everyone had to turn around to him and say, no, 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 mate, it finished years ago. Well, I do wonder if there's a Deaf Leopard fan hidden in the woods somewhere with their copy of Pyromania who thinks that coming under fire is actually not words and who thinks actually not words is coming under fire. If you're that person, let me know in the comments and I can put you straight. It's the wrong way around, mate, or it's the wrong way around, my dear, whoever. Maybe you're a man or a woman. Okay, so the song was written by pete willis steve clark mutt lang and joe elliott it features on a pyromania album came out in 1983 joe elliott says this is his favorite song or possibly his favorite song off the album the reason he says that is his favorite song though is because he's never he's, he's never had to play it live and he hasn't heard it every night of the week for the last 40 years so you know I suppose with some of the songs that they have to play all the time, maybe no matter how professional you are, you might just go off them a little bit. But Coming Under Fire, a highly regarded song. What's it about? Well, this is where it gets very, very awkward, Death Leopard fans, because I have been looking at the lyrics and I've been listening to the lyrics, and this song is showered with innuendo and you know i'm not very comfortable speaking about it because i'm british this is the british left pod if you want to hear about all of the sexy stuff then you're going to need to go over to the french left pod where they're much more comfortable talking about this thing but let's just say this song is a song very much about wanting to have a special hug and we'll leave it at that um there is one of the the lines in it I particularly like it goes uh this ain't no better roses this ain't no better at all that's always been one of my favorite lines in this song okay right why is it complex why is it difficult because it doesn't sound at first sound at first listen complex or difficult it starts with a jangly bit interestingly now that i'm on video six and i'm looking at these songs every day i'm starting to see patterns repeat themselves in terms of daft leopard songs i'm not saying they're like they're using just a formula for everyone but i think this must be at least the third or fourth time i've used the word jangly so there's a jangly bit and then the riff comes in so the jangly bit doesn't sound overly complicated the riff is very straightforward and the rhythm of the riff is quite straightforward. I was trying to think of a word to articulate it. I would say it's a stalking riff. It feels very much like something that you would walk to in a purposeful stalking sort of manner. And lyrically, the song is a little bit stalky, if that's a word. Okay, right. Then it goes into the verse, and this is where it gets really interesting. Because this is where, oh, by the way. What's really cool is in the jangly bit and then the riff that comes after it What you then also get is there's just a little bit of subtle lead that starts over the jangly bit And then just continues over the riff as well And that word subtle, that's our clue to the dynamics of this song I think Because there are lots of subtleties in it And anyway, you get into the verse and the verse is super sparse now i'm going to make myself sound ridiculous here but it doesn't matter there's only the ducks and the three people watching this to see me being ridiculous and in the verse there's, there's essentially four beats and it goes do 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 so the drums go like that and the bass follows it exactly and then the verse weaves its way over and around that rhythm and it's really really sparse and it's really really basic okay and then it goes into the chorus and the chorus is absolutely full of vocals if you watch that vol video Big joe says that it might be the song with the most backing vocals on this um, album so oh there's a butterfly i don't know if i'm going to get them in can you see those i can't because of the lights but that's nice that's better than the other day nearly seeing a rabbit getting ran over no, I didn't actually see it getting ran over. Did I, I just imagine that it might get ran over? Oh, I'll tell you what. Anyway, so <laughs> you've got the sparse bit. You've got all of the backing vocals. I think this is one of those songs where if you picked up the guitar and outside the jangly bit and outside of the the riff, it would be one of those where you had a tab book uh, with guitar, you play it and it doesn't really sound like it. I think a lot of songs on a stereo like that, because they're made up of six or seven guitars. It's like, you need all of those bits playing all the little bits, orchestrated in the way that it's orchestrated, to actually sound like the full piece. And I've never thought of Coming Under Fire as one of those songs that's got all of these like little dynamics and these little nuances in, and these little atmospheric sounds, and these like little guitar licks and these little harmonics, and all of these things... But I was listening to it earlier today with me, you know, my decent headphones on, and there's absolutely loads in there, and I think that's why the band have probably never played it live because the songs that you obviously know have got a little sound effects and a little, you know, like bits and bobs and vibes and all of this going on. Like Billy's got a good "Die Hard to Hunter, They're the two main ones I would say on the Pyromania album, but this one. You just never really notice it, but when you listen to it on a really good pair of uh, headphones, there's all sorts of just little strange noises going on. I would use that word again, dynamics. And I think it's all of these little subtle dynamics and all of these just little things that really add to the atmosphere of the song. And I think that's why it's difficult to play live. I think that's why maybe the band have never played it live. Because there's just too many like little things going on and it's the production of this song is really really important and the production to an extent is what makes it so maybe that's why it is but the the, the band they've never played it if put it this way if none of them can remember playing it let's be honest they've, they've never played it have they so they've never played it will they ever play it in the future probably not i don't think so I think next year is the 40th anniversary of Pyromania. If they did some sort of Pyromania thing, I don't think they could do that in the UK. They'd probably have to do that in the States. So, you know, they did what, if they did what they did with Hysteria and they played it front to back, then if you're watching this in the States, you might be lucky enough to get it. I know that die-hard F Leppard fans would love, absolutely love to see the band play this. But I understand entirely that if they did, And if they're playing, you know, sort of 15, 16,000 arenas, and, you know, not all of those people are diehard Death Leopard fans, then really what they want to see is pour some sugar on me, photograph, love bites, this type of thing. So we can only cross our fingers that we will get a live version. But if we don't get a live version, don't worry, because there is the version we're talking about now, the recorded version, that is in the link below. Go and have a listen to it. See if you can articulate what is so good about this song. See if you can do a better job than I certainly haven't done. And put it in the comments below. Let me know why is this song so good. Because it is. It absolutely is. And it deserves its place on this list easily. But What is it exactly? Am I right? Is it all of the... production values is it those nuances is it those dynamics or is it just something much more simple it's got a really cool catchy chorus for example the backing vocals are really good it's got a really good rhythm i don't know it's probably all of these things isn't it so yeah give it a listen also there's a link to the podcast below i will be back tomorrow for day seven i think it's day seven i'm starting to lose track god knows what i'm going to do when we get to day 28 um but yeah back tomorrow for number seven it's another song beginning with C from a very different era of Def Leppard Um, and yeah I think you're gonna like it if you haven't heard it already but I'm gonna go should I go for a little swim in the river yeah I'm gonna go for a swim in the river hopefully I don't drown and I'll see you tomorrow